All right, good afternoon. We optimize the sound on the preamp. All right. All right, very good. Last week, Pastor Aaron and I were down in Busan to visit our brand new church plant down there. It's our seaside campus because literally uh, we worship the Lord right by the sea near Kwangali Beach. If you're ever in Busan, uh, you're more than welcome to join us for worship at our seaside campus. And it was powerful. We went there for the Friday fire. And uh, I'm sure the Friday fire here was powerful. But down in Busan, man, it was, it was powerful. Because God orchestrated it. Pastor Belma was there for her vacation. So she was there. We brought Marcus down because the Lord put that on my heart. And then Aaron and I were there. And then Caleb and Mina were there. And the Holy Spirit just started moving. And so we just started praying for people. And just the power of the Holy Spirit just whacking people and touching people and strengthening people. It was powerful. Sunday service was also a real blessing. Uh, Pastor Aaron preached a message called Satisfaction Guaranteed. It's a really good message. I want to recommend that you go and listen to it. Uh, You can find it on our Facebook page or on our iTunes podcast. Uh, Let's hear it for the uh, praise team. Sole did an awesome job leading worship today. Amen. Come on. An awesome job. I just see her growing in her authority as a worship leader, and it just was powerful today, and uh, so blessed, so blessed by all the worship leaders in the house. It was really good to see our sister Sole really rising up. She is a musician in our house of prayer. It's called K1 Tab- Prayer Tabernacle, uh, Kingdom First Prayer Tabernacle. It's located in Hongdae, right next to our church office, and we have three prayer sessions each week. And if you go there during the week, uh, you will see Sole leading worship along with other uh, K1 musicians. And uh, it's just a place where there's a certain smell that's rising. You know, you go to certain restaurants and you get, you don't even come close to the restaurant, but you get within a block of that restaurant and you smell something. You smell the tenjang. You smell, whenever you pass by a kogi restaurant and you're hungry, man, it's just like, it's time for kogi now. Like, you know? You just smell that. And out of K1, there's an incense that's rising to heaven. One of worship, devotion, and prayer. And so I really want to encourage all of you to go to that place and to give your time to worship the Lord and to seek His face. Today, I'm going to recommit myself to preaching shorter messages. Let me get a time, timer up there, Westfall. Give me a timer. Uh, you can't do it? You did it all these weeks. You can't do it today. There it is. Put, put something up. Give me, a, give me 36 from now. All right. So at the 40-minute mark, all right, I want what, Matthew Walker here. Yo, freeze the screen here. You're wasting my sermon time. That's what Matthew Walker just said. <laughs> wasting my time, Westfall. <clears throat> You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Good job. Good job. 
so when Matthew walked through here, we hit around the 40-minute mark. He'll raise up his uh, sign. And when you see his sign, you're going to all clap. All right? Don't be afraid. Just clap. You're helping me out. Okay? So when you clap, that's when I will go ahead and wrap up the message. All right? Y'all feeling that? All right, that's practiced. Matthew, go ahead. Just raise up a sign. All right. Yeah. Okay, so we'll do that today. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll try to land the plane when, we, when I hear that hand clap. Man, I, got, I went rock climbing this week, and my, my arms are, like, so sore. Like, uh, we got a group of guys at church. They've been uh, pretty into it. They're going rock climbing, like, in the wild. You have to get permits for this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not down with that yet, all right? I just, was just doing a rock climbing wall that the city put up, and it, it was intense. It was really high, actually. And then I did, like, about four climbs, and my forearms were just, like, so tense and, and still hurting. It's just all so much pain. But it's a good pain because it means I got a good workout. Anyway, rock climbing teaches you a lot about trust because the other person, you know, if they don't belay right, you're dead. <laughs> now, you can really get seriously injured. And so it teaches you about trust and other stuff. That's good. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 40, verse 3. And let me preach to you the word for today. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Whatever version you have, just read along. Verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And the NIV says, in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway for our God. Everybody say highway. Highway. Now, if you know the fulfillment of this prophecy, you know that it gets fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, in every way, he was a forerunner. His ministry had a very specific purpose. It has specific fulfillment. And so he led it in a very specific way. John the Baptist was known to live in the wild. He was a wild man. A mountain man. Except he was in the desert. And he he wore like like leather and animal hair and whatever he could find. And he ate locusts and honey. This is a wild man. But God used this wild man to prepare the way for Jesus' public ministry. And John the Baptist's message was very particular. It's very specific. It's just simply repent. Repent so your sins can be washed away by the grace of God. God's going to provide a provision that's going to wash away your sin. But you got to come and be honest about it. So he started baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus was one of those people that actually was baptized by his own cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner. And today, we still have Christians, ministries, and churches that have a similar role as a forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus. You know, some cities, 
Even some churches, dare I say, they have church, they have the form of religion, but they don't always have Jesus. In fact, they, we joke about, you know, pastors joke that in some churches, if Jesus visited, he probably wouldn't feel very welcome there. Because some churches, they have a lot of form, a lot of religion, but they don't actually welcome the Holy Spirit. They don't actually make it a place where Jesus will be pleased with. And there's churches like that. And into those churches, God will raise up forerunner churches to prepare the way for Jesus to come and bring revival into those places. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, New Philly, we, from the very beginning of when I took over as the lead pastor, very specific prophetic words we received were that we are a forerunner church. And that there's a price to be paid to be a forerunner. When you're a pioneer, you're a forerunner, you got to pay the price. When you pioneer something, even in the natural, you try to pioneer personal computers. You try to pioneer cars when there were no cars. You try to pioneer airplanes when people didn't fly before that. The Wright brothers, Ford, all these fellas, they were pioneers. When you're a pioneer, you got to pay the price. You got to, you're going to face slander. You're going to face doubt. But you got to learn how to take all that in and, and pay that cost to push something new through. And in a very similar way, New Philly, we are a forerunner church. Amen? Amen. And I believe we're a forerunner church, particularly to denominational churches. Because the vast majority of you in this room, you grew up in a denominational church. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And you knew a form of religion, you knew a form of Christianity, but you didn't know the power of God. You read about it in the book of Acts and you go, man, they had so much fun back then. But why is my church so boring? Man, it looks like there was so much life in the early church. But why is my church so dry? That was mostly our church experience growing up. We had little episodes of life, excitement. That high school retreat that we went to where everybody was just getting just filled with the Holy Spirit, or people were just raising their hands for the first time in worship. And I would, you have these episodes of life, but generally our denominational church upbringing has been a very difficult and dry experience. So many of us, when we get to college, what do we do? We walk away. We go, oh, if this is the real thing, if this, is, if this has substance, then why is this not speaking into my life? Why does my university professors seem to have more authority than the preachers at the pulpit. So a lot of young people, they walk away. And New Philly has been a ministry that has the grace to bring those prodigals back into the Father's house. But not only bring you back to church, but God has been redefining and renewing what Christianity looks like for our generation. Amen? I mean, He's done similar things in the past, but what He's doing right now is dramatic. It's powerful. It's a new thing. It's a thing that even if God told the nations about it, they wouldn't believe it. And New Philly, we we are a forerunner church and we're carrying a kingdom culture that God doesn't want us for us to just have. 
But for us to release it to the wider body of Christ. For us to release it to denominational churches that haven't moved an inch from where you left when you were a high school kid. We're a forerunner church. And in this way, a forerunner church is called to pave the way for other churches. We have a responsibility to break new ground on behalf of others. God gives us an outpouring. He gives us a grace to do it. And then we got to do it and bring people into it. Amen? Amen. This is not just for y'all to just hold on to yourself and just mock others and be like, ah, ha, ha, you, you stuck in your old church experience. You stuck in the traditions. But look at us. We got power over here. No, it's for us to experience it, understanding that what God is pouring out here in this house is for all of his children. It's for the water body of Christ. Are they going to accept it right away? Maybe not. But there will be those who will accept it. There will be those who will hunger for it. They will see it, be inspired by it. Something will awaken in their hearts. And then they'll invite Pastor Christian and Aaron to come and speak. We're a forerunner church. Now, you will notice here, the forerunner has a responsibility. He has a role. And one of those roles is to make a highway. To make a highway. And not only make a highway where there are already some roads, but to make a highway in the wilderness, in the desert. I wasn't mean to prepare the way to make a highway in the wilderness. It means to go into the driest of spiritual climates and prepare the way for the Lord. To go into places where people are not seeking Jesus, people are just living double lives, and you make a straight path for our God. It's to be unafraid and to be bold and go into those denominational settings that may feel that it's like dry as a desert, but having hope that God can bring renewal and revival there. God doesn't want us to so quickly abandon the churches that we left or the churches that we grew up in. He has a heart. And sometimes some of you Emmaus students, when you go back, you're going to go back to your denominational churches. And the immature ones, when they go back, they just feel so much despair. They go, oh, and they're constantly comparing everything to New Philly. New Philly this, New Philly that. And they're telling everybody about New Philly this, New Philly. And they just annoy people. And then people get annoyed with New Philly. But the more mature ones, they'll go back and they'll look and nothing's changed. So much tradition, so much politics, so much infighting among the elders and the head pastor. You know, putting padlocks on the sanctuary door so people can't get in. All kinds of crazy drama, right? But they look with eyes of hope. And they go, what God did for New Philly, which used to be a very much a denominational church, with just a little bit more passion. What God has done for New Philly and the kingdom culture he has put and established in this place, he can do for this denominational church. And they look with eyes of hope. And then they realize that God has placed them there for a season or for longer to be a forerunner in that place. To carry a message of life, message of hope. That's what it means to prepare a highway in the wilderness. It's to be unafraid to go to those places. In fact, if you really study our New Philly missions trips, and you really observe our ministry trips to Australia or even to America recently, if you really look, many of the places we go to are not places where it's all uh, Pentecostal and spirit-filled all the time. 
Even Pentecostal churches that we go and work with, they're sometimes dry as a bone. Because they're follow the methods of Pentecostalism, the Pentecostal denomination. They get they adopt the methods, but they don't really adapt those methods. So it doesn't become incarnational and missional. And so, and so it's it, like I joked about in February how I went to the Philippines. And there's a bunch of AOG churches, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal churches that we work with. And the churches that I visited, they all worship the same. The worship leaders repeat the same lines. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The posture is the same. And I was like, where'd you get this? Did a Filipino teach you this? And then they they share with me that their churches were actually planted by white missionaries, white Pentecostal ministers from Tennessee. And that they never bothered to really adapt what they learned. They just, they just kind of adopted these methods and never made it Filipino. Come on, there's beauty in Filipino culture, amen? And Filipinos need to make it Filipino. But they're trying to be white Tennessee. And it just, it wasn't working. It wasn't natural. And the young people, there was no young people in the church. Very few young people. Young people have little patience for that. They're, they're standing there and be like, what, what, what are you? Where's the substance? Where's the heart? Where's the spirit? I don't, I don't, I don't sense. It's just a lot of just performance. A lot of exterior. You know, and, and they have a little patience. And so if you look at New Philly ministry and mission trips, a lot of times we're going to dry denominational wilderness-like environments. But oh, let me tell you. Oh, when we went to Myanmar, when we went to Nepal, oh, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit was poured out with power. I mean, people, we thought, oh, you guys must be used to this. And they're like, no, I've never experienced the power of God like that. Oh, you must cry at every service. No, that's the first time I've cried in five years. <laughs> it's powerful. We're, we're that kind of forerunner church. Like other churches might go to a place like that and get really discouraged. We go to a place like that and we know we're a forerunner. We go in there with hammers. We start breaking up the ground. You want to make a highway? You got to break up the ground. Nobody just paves a highway on, on top of dirt. You got to break that ground up. And so a forerunner church has that kind of role. Now, what does it mean to make a straight highway? What's this language about highway? It's, it's very peculiar. Did they have highways back then with speed limits? What is this highway language all about? Now, the interesting thing about Roman culture is Rome, Rome had an intricate road system. And in fact, it was, it was very well done. And that's what encouraged trade and commerce. And even the Apostle Paul was able to go to all these remote cities through Asia Minor and into um, the outermost parts of Europe. He was able to do that because there were Roman roads everywhere. And some of these roads, they weren't just roads like, you know, like a little road that you might have in the suburbs of Philly where David Ahn probably grew up. <laughs> I'm playing David. You got the Philly heart, all right? I saw, I saw your message. I'm not going to dog on you anymore. You are, you are Philly, all right? I give you the right to say you're from Philly. Even though you're a few miles away, but it's okay. I'll bring you in. I'll adopt you as Philly. Have no shame, my son. You are now Philly. Anyway, um, I'm not talking. Some of these roads weren't just small little roads you might see in the suburbs. I mean, they were wide roads. Highways. 
Now, highways, and even in the ancient Near East, you know, they were, they were good about building roads and big roads, big highways. And God uses this figurative language. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, what does a highway represent? Because he's using figurative language here, right? I mean, God's not telling us all to quit our jobs and go out and start building highways everywhere. Start building a highway up the hillside. It's so hard to get to. I, it's figurative, right? So why is, he, why is he using this figurative language? Well, that's because a highway represents infrastructure. Making a highway means making a strong spiritual infrastructure. A highway is, is a road. It's a type of road. And a road symbolizes access. For example, you can have like the most amazing restaurant in the world. Like four generations of recipes. You grew up in Key West and you know how to make key lime pie. Hey, I guess you got all of them about key lime pie. If you're ever in Key West, make sure you eat some good key lime pie. It's really good. Anyway, you got this amazing restaurant. You can have the best restaurant in the world. But without the proper infrastructure, ain't nobody going to eat at that restaurant. You can have the most beautiful home in the world, but without proper infrastructure, none of your friends are going to visit you. You need infrastructure. Without roads, there's no access. No roads, no access. You know, even this campus here, Hillside. How many newcomers, when you first came to Hillside, you got a little lost? Raise your hand. Be honest. You got a little lost. All right. I would say over 60% of y'all get lost. Even those who are good with directions, you don't like to admit that you got lost. (laughs) But you got lost. It's hard to find this place. But even though it's hard to find, you're still able to find it because there's a road. You know, this, this road here, it got paved fresh like a year ago or within the year. It got paved a couple times actually. So it's nice. It's nice. Before, it wasn't all nice and smooth. Like, it was all like cracks and in the winter, your car, like the wheels will turn and you can't get up the road and taxis will get stuck and then the buses will just be all stuck and it was just terrible. It was just horrible. And so they've redone the road here. But way back in the day, they didn't even have a road here. It was a dirt mound. And so when they first started our mother church here in 1970, it was just a dirt mound. Just a little preschool they had. They started with like a preschool. And then, they, and then the neighborhoods kind of started building around it. But you're able to get here because there's a road. Because there is infrastructure. Well, in a similar way, there are areas in the spirit. And this is a, a revelation from my wife from three years ago. But I'm just going to take that because we are one. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm just say it's mine because it is. <laughs> there are areas in the spirit. There are kingdom resources and power that the body of Christ is simply not able to access or enter into because there's no infrastructure. You know, IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They have a beautiful thing going right now. 24-7, just worship, 
going up to heaven. They have musicians. They just, you know, they have like, I think they have two drum booths now, right? Do they have two drum booths? Anyway, there's musicians constantly changing. And my, one of my friends was a sound engineer for IHOP for a few years. She said the sound equipment would just blow up every now and then. It would just like, it would just die. Because it's just on all the time. It never, it, those, that equipment was not meant to ever be on all the time. So they have to like replace equipment like very frequently. So they have to have backup systems and stuff already. What's a beautiful thing was happening there because people are, like in the church in America, a lot of churches don't pray. Brooklyn Tabernacle is a church that prays, but they're like the exception. Like many churches that we grew up in, they don't pray. We talk about prayer. We talk about how good it is to pray and how important it is to pray. We talk about prayer, but we don't actually pray. We talk about evangelism and missions, but we don't actually evangelize and go on missions. It's a beautiful thing what's happening in IHOP. But the only reason why it's not just thousands getting blessed at IHOP, but it's millions getting blessed all around the world, is because they have created infrastructure that gives the wider body of Christ access to the blessings of their prayer movement. You see how important it is to have good spiritual infrastructure? We need strong spiritual infrastructure here at New Philly. Amen? I mean, there are beautiful things that God is nurturing and incubating here at New Philly. It's powerful. Like when we go on mission trips, I mean, ministries, local ministries there, they get blown away. And when we go on a second visit, on the first visit, they put you up at some shabby, rundown dorm with no mattress, just bed springs. Feels like I'm at a, like a mental institution because it was just like a bed frame with bed springs. I had to put my sleeping bag on top. I had to sleep on top of that. For a couple of years, I had to do that because they didn't know us. They didn't know what we were about. They were like, just these young kids coming over here for a little leisure trip. All right, we'll put them up wherever. All right, here, put them up at this little dorm that's all run down. And I had to go to the bathroom and just buckets. I had to just put buckets on top of myself. Just wash up in this big old sink that I didn't even know if the water was clean or not. When, and then on a couple of days, I ran the water. It was actually brown. But I had to, I had to just wash up in that brown water because that's the only water I had. Anyway, I'm talking about one of my mission trips. But when we go that back the second time, oh, they don't treat you like that. <laughs> then you go back the second time, they're like, oh, these, this church has got power. There's something powerful about this church. And so we went back to West Papua this year. I heard... I, I wanted the West Papua team to get the same treatment that I got. I thought it would toughen them up, you know? Break them out of their, you know, little spoiled worlds and stuff, you know? Uh, suffer a little bit for the cause of Christ. But they got put up at these nice, like, bed with beds and everything. I don't know what it was, but it definitely wasn't what I got. Anyway, I mean, when we go on these trips, I mean, when we go back a second time, they usually honor us that, that way because they go, these kids are young, but man, they're carrying the kingdom. Amen. They're carrying kingdom power. Amen. And so they, they honor us beyond like what our age should really deserve. And, you know, we just receive it with humility and we just continue to bless them back. You know? We have powerful things here, kingdom cultural things here. At our church. But you know what? Without infrastructure. It's just going to stay within here. It's going to stay within these four walls. 
So today I want to talk about spiritual infrastructure and how important it is to make a highway for our God. Go to Isaiah 62, verse 10. Another place where the highway is mentioned. Isaiah 62, verse 10. Hey, Jamie, let me get that AC on. Isaiah 62, verse 10. Try playing with the plug. Uh, look at this. I'm going to read an ESV. Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Clear it of stones. And lift up a signal over the peoples. I'm going to read it in the NIV. That's what I'm used to. And I, I like the wording better. It says, pass through. Pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. And raise a banner for the nations. Prepare the way for the people. Prepare the way for the people of God to encounter their maker. To encounter their father in heaven. Prepare the way. And you got to clear it of stones. You know, if you ever have like a well. I didn't grow up with wells. But if you ever have a well, that well gets dug real deep. Until you strike water. And no matter how many times, you, you, once you have a well, you draw up water, there's going to be more water. Because water comes out of the ground. I don't know this too well, but all I know is it works. And so even when we're in West Papua, we, I remember we're drinking well water. And, you, know, and you, you might think, oh, that's nasty, that's nasty. Not well water is actually quite fresh. It's coming up out of the ground. It's pure water. Rona knows. She grew up in Arkansas. But yeah, sometimes those wells get stopped up when little hoodlums come and they, they throw stones and they block up that well. If you want that well to flow again, you got to remove those stones. You got to get the stones. You got to get in onto the, you got to get into the well and you got to get the stones out. Well, in the same way you want to build a highway, you got to remove the obstacles. You got to clear away the stones. In fact, if there's a tree in the way, you got to uproot that tree. You got to tell that tree, tree, you need to go. Because we are building a highway for our God. And there are things in the spirit realm that we look at. We look at these big old stones. We look at these big old trees. And we're like, oh, I guess we can't keep building. I guess the highway stops here. No, the Lord says, clear it of stones. Lift up a banner. Raise up a banner for the nations. Build up this highway and call the people to God. Bring them to God. Prepare the way for the people. And so when you want to build up a highway, you want to build up an infrastructure, there's an aspect in which you got to remove the stones. There's a preparation stage that's needed. And sometimes that requires breaking ground, like I mentioned earlier. you got to break up the ground in order for you to start paving the way. But God wants us to build up the highway. Everyone say build up. Build up the infrastructure. No, I didn't mean to, for you to repeat that. <laughs> so if you ever visit our different church campuses, you will notice that it's the same church. Same DNA. But there's something different. I remember 
this experience very vividly because every time we do a church plant, I experience it over and over again. In 2010 of April, we started our first church plant in Itaewon. And we scouted out the whole area and looked for a place where we can worship. And we found a bar called King Bar. In fact, one day when I was evangelizing, I said, Lord, give us King Bar. May the King of Kings be encountered in King Bar. I remember I was with Diane Wheat, so she remembers. She'll verify, okay? I did that like uh, the year before. And then when we went out actually scouting for areas, we asked a lot of restaurant owners, cafe owners, bar owners that are closed on Sundays, would you be willing to let us rent it out? We'll pay you rent. Just let us use it three hours a week, and we'll pay you like a lot of money. It wasn't that much, but, you know, it's still a good amount. Considering if they keep it closed, they don't make no money. Yeah, just let us use it. But most owners said no. In fact, we actually asked club owners too. And the club bouncers were like, get out out of here. What are you talking about, church? This ain't church. You you see church here? Some people were straight up mean about it. But I went to King Bar believing that the provision of God was there. And I met that owner and she was a lady. And you know she's involved in some shady stuff. (laughs) She just looked gangster. But I didn't let her intimidate me because I was like, I'm a prince in the kingdom. I have authority. You can't intimidate me. I went, oh, 안녕하세요. And I said, it might be a strange request, but we're a church. I'm a pastor of a church. And we want to start having worship here in Nitiwan. And we want to ask if we could rent out your bar for a couple hours on Sundays so that we can have worship here. And she said, what? So I repeated myself. And then she said, all right. And she was kind of open to it. Went upstairs, came back down, and she said, all right. When do you want to start? Just like that, we had King Bar. And so for the first year of our church plant, we had worship in King Bar. Every time we go in there and sit up, it's a smoke of a reek of cigarette smell. There's like liquor all over the bar. It's a bar. You know, and then I remember telling Pastor Huang, our senior pastor, our founding pastor, who's retired now. I remember I went to a pastor's meeting and I, and I was like, 그리고 우리 개척교회는, our church plant, 우리 개척교회는 저 이태원 킹 바에 만나겠습니다. 거기 좀 월세 내고 거기서 만나겠습니다. We're going to pay a little rent at King Bar we're going to meet there. And then Pastor Huang was like, huh? I said, King Bar. And then one of the associate pastors says, Ba. They don't pronounce the R. The Koreans don't pronounce the R. So he's like, ah, ba. Bar 만난다고? 그래? And he thought it was the strrangest thing. But he embraced it. And so we, we met there for the first year. And I remember I preached at both services. Almost every Sunday for that first year. Because somebody had to break up the ground. And so I knew that there was a grace on my life. It was prophesied over me. There's a grace on your life. For these plant churches. So I said, all right. If this is true, Lord, then you better show yourself. I'm, I, was, I was like tired that first year. I mean, I'm going to seminary. I'm trying to set up things here. And then on top of that, you know, we're going to uh, Itaewon every single week. And on top of that, we're organizing the Niagara Conference. I mean, it was like intense. But I was doing it every week. Drive over. A lot of times I was late. 
you know. And just as the offering is like, is like being collected, I get up, all right, it's time to preach. You know, and I preached there, and my wife preached there, and we broke up the ground. And after like six months into it, you can tell the atmosphere is starting to change a little bit more and look more like New Philly. But it still felt different. I remember I took um, Sarah Yang there, our Niagara Conference speaker. She spoke... Uh, no, no, no. She only spoke at Itaewon, but I'm sorry. Let me give you an example. Like Kirk Bennett. Kirk Bennett and Rodney Henderson, when they were visiting from IHOP, they spoke at Hillside, and then they spoke at Itaewon the same day. I remember they, they were saying, oh, something's different. Of course it's different. Because somebody has to break up the ground. You need to make the highway straight. And it's still being built in that first year. It's going to feel different, but it's still the same church. And then... Um, Pastor Sam Song from Solomon's Porch, who's actually going to be speaking here in a couple of weeks uh, from Hong Kong. He's going to be here. And uh, I remember he spoke at both. And he's like, wow, oh, there's something different about that. It was a little harder at Itaewon. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's our first church. It's our church plant. We're still breaking up ground. But if you go to Itaewon today, oh, you'd be like, oh, snap. It's powerful. This reminds me of Hillside Worship. It's still a little bit different. It's unique. But, you know, for me, the concept is I want each church plant to have their own uniqueness, but a unity within that, with that, with that uniqueness. Unity with the uniqueness. So if somebody steals that term from me, all right, I said it first, all right? Unity, uniqueness with unity, or unity with, uni- with uniqueness. <laughs> That's my concept with church plants, all right? I don't want every church plant to look exactly like Hillside. I want each of them to, uh, to be, like when we plant in other countries, I want it to be unique. But I also want there to be common things that make us unified. Now, the differences why uh, our different church plants are going to feel like that and look like that is because somebody's got to go and pave the way. And even at Sydney, as you guys start your opening service next year in April, you're going to hit resistance. It's just natural. It's not that people aren't hungry for God. It's just that somebody's got to pave the new ground. So that's the season that you're going to be in as you start the church plan in Sydney. Now, you may see this in your own life. If you're the first believer in your family... And you try to go and talk about Jesus to your family members, it's going to feel like you're hitting concrete. You're like talking to a wall. But let me tell you something today. This is for somebody. With every strike you make on that concrete, it may look like nothing is changing. But let me tell you something. You're putting cracks in the strongholds of the enemy. You know why? Because every strike you make is powerful. It's not like you're striking that concrete with your fist. You're striking it with a hammer. And the more you know the word of God, the bigger hammer you got. For me, I got like an automatic jackhammer. Do, 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 do. (laughs) All right? Because I get invited to speak and there's a lot of people, all right? And then, anyway, Pastor Benjamin prophesied that over me. That's not a self-proclamation, okay? (laughs) But he said, there's a jackhammer on your hand. (laughs) You got to go and and stuff like that. Anyway, all of you. Whenever you make a strike, it's powerful. Don't be deceived by what you see in the natural. Your parents may actually look like they're more against Christianity, but you keep praying. You keep striking. You keep speaking words of life. 
You don't nag them with the gospel. Don't annoy them. Don't make the gospel annoying to them. But make it real. Live it out. Act in love. Be gracious. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Demonstrate those things consistently and you'll build up your witness. And you will influence your family. And you will pave the way. That in the future, cousins and uncles and aunts, they will find a highway leading to Jesus. Because somebody went ahead. All right, hallelujah. I'm going to give this example. I'm going to try to close up right now, all right? (laughs) Yesterday, uh, our office hallway door was jammed. And uh, intern pastor Gina, she called up a local uh, locksmith, and the guy came over, and then he looked at the door. He didn't even, like, look at He just looked at the door, and then he didn't do any work. And he said, it's going to cost 70,000 won, $70 just to replace the doorknob. Now, I know a thing or two. Those doorknobs cost 20,000 won at most at a local hardware store. And, you know, you just you got to get a little labor in there. But it's not going to cost 70,000 won. So I, I told him, tell him, no, I'm not gonna, we're not going to pay for that, you know. And then the guy demanded, well, give me 30,000 won for coming over here. All right, exactly. You're going to charge us 30,000 won just to look. He, he just looked at it. That was it, 30,000 won. What kind what? And so I went over and I, I was like, I, I went up to him and I was like, look, you know, boozers? You know, I, 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 try to, I try to be gracious, but I was a little impatient. I got a little annoyed. And I, and I was, what are you talking about? What, what, 30,000 won? And then he was like, all right, fine, 10,000 won. It's like, even 10,000 won? I ain't going to pay no 10,000 won for you. Look at the doorknob. <laughs> and give me an overly priced estimate. And then, so we're kind of arguing back and forth. And then he finally says, well, I got this. And I was, I was like, why are you so angry? <laughs> and then he said something like, well, you know, I'm angry, but I'm actually holding back my anger because I can't get too angry because my, I have a liver and heart condition or something like that. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, snap, I don't want this guy to drop dead right now. <laughs> All right, take your 10000 and go. So we, we sent them away. And then I, in my busy schedule try to fix it myself, which is, which is, wasn't the smartest thing. And I was like, don't worry, I'll, I'll get this door, you know, op- to open. So I just, hoo with my elbow. And I was like, oh, snap, that hurt. <laughs> and Chris Prasad and uh, Tammy from E10 were, were getting community care pastor training. And they were like, Chris Prasad's a big New Zealand dude, right? He's a rugby player. He was like, do you, you, know, do you, got, do you need some help, pastor? I was like, no, I'm all right. Bang again! I did, oh, that's oh, that hurt even more. And uh, I went around to the other side and took some drills and tried to like find a way to open the door. And then we figured it out that a deadbolt was already opened. It was it was locked, and the deadbolt had pretty much bent, so the deadbolt couldn't go back into the door. So it was like bent out of shape. And so we, we were trying for uh, a lot, a little bit more. And then uh, I finally just said, "All right." David, you're on the other side. I want you to kick the door open. I don't even know if it was going to work or not. But I was like, David, just kick the door open. And he's like, all right, all right. So he gets all excited. And then Pastor Joe and I, we step back away from the door. And then he goes, well, bam! 
right? And the door, like, pretty much was ajar. It started opening. It was like, like just a little bit of the bolt was left. I was like, oh, snap. David's aunt's kicks are really powerful. <laughs> and I was like, David just finished the job. And then he, well, bam, a second one. It just blew right open. Yeah. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> Devil, you can't get us. Um, but then later on, I thought about it. And I realized that it wasn't just David's kicks that opened the door. All right. Somebody was a forerunner. Somebody's elbow had to go ahead of him. Now, I didn't think the dead ball, I thought it was just a knob issue, but I didn't know the dead ball was in there. So when I elbowed those two times, that's probably what made the dead ball go out of shape. Helen, why are you shaking your head? Somebody went ahead. Somebody went ahead. So when he kicked it, it was easy. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say your strikes are powerful. All right, when you pray, when you speak, it's powerful. You might not see the door open, but when some knucklehead comes around later on and just gives it a little short prayer and boom, it just flings wide open, you will know that you contributed to that breakthrough. Amen? So I'm going to close with this. The Lord wants, the, he wants our church to build up his infrastructure, to build up spiritual infrastructure. The question now is, in this Solomonic season of building, where in the past season we were in a Davidic season of warfare, and where our focus was very much on healing and deliverance, on, on coming against the attacks of the enemy, and we still do that. But our focus now is more on a Solomonic emphasis. Solomon was a man of peace. God gave him supernatural peace all around. And right now, God is giving us peace all around. Churches and pastors that used to slander us four years ago, these days they're honoring us. Even people in Virginia, they're starting to honor us little by little. Man, Virginia, man, there's a strong, Pharisaic religious spirit over there. And I've been battling that religious spirit for years. But let me tell you, even right now, even Virginia folks are opening up their heart to what we are carrying. Because God's given us peace all around. And the purpose of that peace is to focus on building. Because Solomon built the house of God. David did all the warfare. And then when, when it came to Solomon, God told him to build. And God gave him wisdom and inspiration to build. In this season of building, the question becomes, will you be his construction worker? Will you be a builder of spiritual infrastructure? You know, some of you in here, in order to build what God has called you to build, you're going to need a permit. I remember one prophetic person said, pray about spiritual permits, Christian. Because God wants to take you into places that other people can't enter. But you can't go and try to build and break up things and, and do construction work over there unless you have a permit. So let the Lord give you wisdom into this. Pray about a spiritual permit. I was like, what does that mean? And I just forgot about it. But later on, when Pastor Benjamin spoke real powerfully and directly and said, you need to go and finish seminary. I realized that for me to do some of the things that God's called me to do, I need the seminary degree. It's not to please people because I'm not like that. 
is not just for the sake of credentialing and submitting to that kind of system. It's a spiritual permit that God wants to give me so he can open up more doors that otherwise would be closed. He wants me to get the seminary degree, which, hallelujah, I will get in December, pending that I pass all my exams. I'm down for the home stretch. Just three more classes and a comprehensive exam at the beginning of September, and your pastor is going to be graduated from seminary. Somebody asked me, do you want to pursue a PhD? I said, PhD? Come on now. That ain't for me, sorry. I have to humble myself and just be like, no, you know, some people are called a PhD. But anyway, I realized that that prophetic word about spiritual permit, it was talking about my seminary degree and my ordination. Once I have those things under my belt, God's now going to send me to places that are just like wilderness. And he's going to be like, I want you to break up this ground. I want you to help pave the way here so that people can start rushing to Jesus They can have access to his throne of grace. They can have access to anointing power for healings and miracles and prophetic precision. Build up the highway. Make straight paths for our God. So some of you, God's going to require that you get your spiritual permit. For, for, For some of you in law, in business, you might be like, why is the Lord making me take all these like, uh, business classes and business training and uh, why, is, why am I having to go to law school and I just want to work with North Korea I want to do justice work for the orphans of Asia or something like that you know you have that kind of heart and you're like why is the Lord making me go through these loops and for some of you you got to go through the loops because you need a permit because those people in those areas those industries they're not going to just let any knucklehead with ambition come and start working in their industry you need a permit it's not like it's true in the natural God also requires it sometimes in the spirit. And I'm just close with the application, all right? I'm just close with a quick application, Matthew Walker. I'm done. I'm done, all right? A couple of spiritual, four points of spiritual infrastructure that you can apply, okay? This this is what I can discern. Four things. Number one is music. Music is a powerful aspect of the kingdom. And when a church or a ministry will build up their music and praise and worship ministry, that's going to provide infrastructure for the nations to be blessed. Just think about churches like Hillsong, even uh, IHOP, very strong in music, Louis Giglio and the Passion Movement, Bethel. You know, all these churches, and there's not that many actually, if you can kind of count, there's not that many. Planet Shakers, right? There are these ministries that have strong music. Are developed in terms of the spirit of worship, but also in terms of musicianship. You got to have it all. And when you build that kind of infrastructure, and you're producing these kind of lyrics, you know, I believe that every generation needs their own anthems. So when a, when a new generation tries to sing the gener- anthems of yesterday or previous movements, it just doesn't speak to them quite the same way. Because they want... They want lyrics that their generation has birthed. They want lyrics that somebody in their generation got inspired to write. And God is always inspiring lyrics from his throne. So, you know, each generation needs their own kind of anthems and and music and lyrics. But also, previous 
movements can still bless us, right? We can still be blessed by the rich theology of the hymns. And in fact, if you read the biggest book in this Bible, it's actually like lyrics to music. They're songs. They're song lyrics. We call them the Psalms. And although we lost the music, I guess they didn't have a way to write down the music, we still have their lyrics. And in fact, some of the best lyrics and some of the best songs are still from the Psalms. Because they were just inspired directly by the Holy Spirit. They were, they were inspired in different situations of life. You got to build up spiritual infrastructure of music. New Philly, we got to build up the music infrastructure here. Amen? Yes. Come on, all the musicians, practice your drums. Practice your bass. Get on the internet. You know, I'm really proud of Peter Jacob. Because his electric uh, guitar playing, it's like a whole nother level. I remember when, when they first placed him on the praise team and I saw him go up with his electric guitar, I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid. Because I remember he did a talent show thing, you know, and it was, it was very unique. <laughs> but man, over the years, this guy practices. He's just been disciplined about practice. He's just so good. And now nowadays, he just hears a riff from all these popular songs, and he's able to make up his own, adapt it, or just make, play it the same way that they play it. Practice. Come on, practice, y'all. I believe we, New Philly, we need to write songs. There are songwriters in here. We need to write about the things that we're seeing on our mission trips. You need to write about the things that you're seeing as you are in your small groups. In this community, you got to write about it, make it into lyrics, and it's going to bless the nations. It's going to be like a highway that God uses to bring people into his presence. For people to encounter who God is and who they are in Christ. Another spiritual infrastructure is writing. Any lasting spiritual movement has to have writings. If you don't have books, you don't have systematic theology you don't have whatever like you need writings and for our generation blogs are a very popular way to to distribute some of the thoughts of the people in the congregation you know and 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 you know like these days you write a book most books don't do very well there's just like one or two books that will do really well but for blogs you're just releasing things that are fresh. It's just coming. You don't have to wait for a newspaper to print it. You don't have to wait for the book publisher to print it. It's just coming hot off the press. And it goes to anybody. You don't have to pay for it. It's just free. It comes to anybody. And in fact, some books are written as a compilation of blog entries. And so somebody prophesied over me that through your blog, there will be a lot of books that are going to be written. Do y'all believe that I'm going to write books? Yes. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like the just, you know, like little dingy books that, that I just carry around in boxes wherever I go speak at a conference. Will you buy my book, please? That's not going to be me. I'm not, I'm not going out like that. Not, not that it's, it's bad for other people to do that. But for me, you know, and I was talking to Pastor Dave Gibbons in L.A. And I was like, you know, how many books have you written? He wrote, he wrote three books. I said, how did you get involved with your first book? Who, who published your first book? And he said, Zondervan. I was like, what? How'd you get Zondervan to publish your first book? You never wrote a book before. How'd you? You know, I guess he got a reputation because he's writing articles for Christianity Today and whatnot. And, uh, and so Zondervan approached him about writing a book. 
And then ever since then, his first book didn't even do that well. They're like, can you write another one? Can you write another one? Come on, y'all. Believe that for me. That one day Zondervan is going to come up to me and be like, Mr. Christian Lee, is that you? I can't tell. You know, there's a long distance call from America. We would like for you. We've been looking at your blog entries and we think you have some smart things to say. We, we really like your, uh, your urban experience. You grew up right in the city, right? Is that right? You grew up in Philly, right? Is that right? We like for you to write a book. It's on the van. We'll pay the whole thing. So write your book. We'll give you five five thousand first print. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I got a call already <laughs> from Free Press yesterday, and they're gonna do my first print for ten thousand. I don't know. I don't know. All right. But one powerful spiritual infrastructure is writings. It doesn't have to come from just the lead pastor of the church. It come from all of y'all. Y'all got, some of you in here, you, got, you guys are amazing writers, actually. But nobody knows that yet. You got to let it out. You got to let your light shine. Use your gift. Articulate what you see and hear and experience. A third is the prayer movement. Another spiritual infrastructure. When there's strong prayer movement, it will make, become like a highway to bless the nations. Like Brooklyn Tabernacle, strong prayer movement. IHOP, strong prayer movement. And I believe here at New Philly, we have, we have one, of, one of the most strongest prayer movements that I've seen at a local church. And when you build up a prayer movement, that's a strong spiritual infrastructure by which the wider body of Christ is going to be blessed. And lastly, for me personally, it's multimedia. Good. You know, Joel Osteen, he doesn't have a college degree. I know not everybody likes Joel Osteen in here. All right, that's fine. I just like to say, I like him. I've been blessed by him. He's not the most well-rounded guy. But look at his background. He doesn't have a college degree. Doesn't have a seminary degree. But because of that, people relate to him better, actually. He doesn't have this, like, high, like, nose, like, well, I'm better than you. You don't know as much Greek as I do. But he, doesn't, he doesn't come off like that. Like, he doesn't come off like that. You know? And so people like that about him. And then... He has a certain gift. It's like he's the encouragement bone of the body of Christ. He's got this incredible gift to inspire and encourage. And a lot of times in churches, you just have religion. And religion just beats you down and oppresses you. But, you know, the Spirit of God, he, he lifts you up. You, you might be struggling with all kinds of immorality. But when you come into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit clothes you with dignity. He says, you're my son. You are pure. You are clean. Stop living like this. This isn't you. This isn't your true identity. That's, that's like the Holy Spirit's religion will beat you down. You're a terrible sinner. You go repent. You feel, the, 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 your, your, you, know, you feel bad and guilty about your sin before you repent. You know? But Holy Spirit, it's like the prodigal uh, son story. The father just embraces. You know, the prodigal son never finished his I'm sorry speech. Isn't that powerful? You know, that's like some people at the altar. We'll say, you know, today the Lord is, you know, drawing some of you to rededicate your lives to Christ. But you've been living a double life, right? He, he just wants you to come up to the altar and just surrender, re- recommit your life to Jesus today. And people will just be coming up and then they're like trying to think, like thinkers will often try to think, like, what is a good prayer that I can pray before God and make my return official today? 
right? And some people will come up to the altar and they're just like trying to pray, like, I'm so sorry, God. And the Holy Spirit will just come on them and they just start crying and just feel the love of God and they just feel surrounded and they don't even have to finish their I'm sorry speech. They, all they know is I'm now back in the Father's house. Joel Olstein, he actually was uh, the multimedia director for his father's church. That was his role. He was the TV producer. What they're doing back there right now. That's what Joel Olstein did for years. And then when his father passed away, there were different candidates, but his name came up. And people, different prophetic people said, Joel, you are to take the leadership mantle of this church. And Joel was like, I'm just a TV guy. I'm just a nerdy, you know, back behind the scenes guy. What do I know about public speaking? And he had so many obstacles to overcome. But eventually he stepped up and he took on the leadership of Lakewood. And Lakewood now is America's biggest and fastest growing church. Well, it's the biggest, it used to be the fastest growing. Like, let me just be real, right? Yoi the Full Gospel says they have like close to a million members, right? I always have a problem with that. Because I've been to Yoi the Full Gospel. They don't have a million people attending their service on a Sunday. And even if you add up all their different campuses, they don't, they don't equate to a million. So if you know a little thing about Korean church culture, you know that Koreans don't like to remove people from membership. So once you join membership at a church, but you move to another church, your name never comes off the membership of their old church. So most Korean people who've moved churches five times, their names are on five different church memberships. So I have a little problem. I look, I look, I look, and I don't see a million people. You're supposed to be the biggest church. You got a pretty big building, but I don't see a million people. I don't even see a hundred thousand people. But you go to you go to Lakewood, man. It's packed with happy people, and they are happy people, man. There are some happy people at Lakewood. <laughs> it's the joy of the Lord. But what I'm what I'm trying to say about Joel Osteen is the reason why Lakewood was able to blow up and go to new levels. One is because of sonship. He got an inheritance from his father. His father used to be a Baptist pastor and then got opened up and filled with the Holy Spirit. Pretty much got ostracized and got kicked out away from the Baptists and started doing ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's, he was a forerunner. He carried that. And then when Joel Osteen took over, he inherited that. And then using his multimedia infrastructure and the gifts he had in multimedia, he took the church to a whole nother level. The reason why the church is so popular and it's a highway for millions of people all over the world in various languages to be blessed through his messages, a one that's not just of religion and beating you down, but one that's really encouraging and inspiring, the reason he's able to do that is because of multimedia. More than his books, it's actually his TV production. Sometimes we, have, we belittle our resources here too much. We got to dream big here. Amen? Amen. We got to dream big. Eventually, y'all, come on. So let you have to imagine yourself leading worship in front of like 50,000 young people at the Red Rocks Theater in Colorado. That's a beautiful theater there, by the way. Beautiful theater. You're going to lead worship there one day. You got to dream like that. Dream like that. But for you to get an opening for like, like an America tour like that, it's going to come through the infrastructure of music and multimedia. That's how they're going to know about Solid Park all the way over in Idaho. 
And that's how all of Roland's friends in Arkansas eventually are going to be like, Sole Park, Sole Park. Uh, in the beginning, people will call you Sole because that's what it looks like in English. But eventually, eventually everyone's going to know it's Sole. Sole got soul. I love worshiping when she leads worship. You got to dream like that, New Philly. And I need to polish up my sermons. And I need to make them shorter. So that when I get broadcast on the internet, people aren't going, man, what this guy going to wrap it up? Which brings me to wrap it up right now. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the outpouring of your spirit on this house. And Father, as we look at your word, we are inspired that all the good things, all the kingdom culture that you're establishing in this house, we realize it's not just for us. It's not just for us to be blessed. But we're blessed with a purpose. We're blessed to be a blessing. And Father, all the things that we've been enjoying and learning and walking in and experiencing, give us a holy jealousy to desire that to be released to the wider body of Christ. To see more denominational churches being renewed in that way. Father, give us a holy jealousy to see it spread. To see it go out. Lord, we want to be a people that make straight paths in the wilderness. A highway. A highway, God. Infrastructure. That's going to remove every hindrance, every stone, every tree, every roadblock. So that the people of God can come and experience and encounter the goodness of God, the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of walking in truth and not deception, the power of walking free from fear and anxiety, the power of walking free from unforgiveness, the power of walking free from from occultism and mixture, but being a holy people set apart for a holy God. Pray that Father Lord use us to build up a highway. Use us, Lord. I pray that musicians here will rise up and start building. They'll start writing music, writing songs. They'll start practicing their instruments. They'll stop thinking on just a small local level, but they'll start to think how can I be a blessing to the wider body of Christ? How can I be a blessing in Indonesia? How can I be a blessing in the Philippines? How can I be a blessing to the nations? Father, I pray you would raise up the writers in this house. The writers, oh God. I just call forth the writers, oh Lord. That they will lift up and raise up a banner over all the nations, Lord. A banner of truth. A banner of justice. A banner that gives voice to the oppressed. Raise up the writers, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Build up the highway, people of God. Prepare the way for Jesus. Prepare the way where John the Baptist prepared the way for his first coming. God is calling his people to prepare the way for his second coming. Rise up and make a highway. Make a highway, people of God. Make a highway, sons and daughters of God. Make a highway. Make straight paths for the return of the king. 
Father, that's our cry.